to our first midweek episode on simplicity. As many of you know, we started a series this last Sunday on the practice of simplicity from the life of Jesus. But as we were mapping out the series, we realized there is way too much here to fit into a couple of Sunday teachings. And there's also a ton of practical stuff uh, that almost doesn't make sense on a Sunday, but is part of practicing simplicity nonetheless. Uh, In future episodes, we'll uh, do some room-by-room minimalism stuff. We'll talk about simplicity of schedule, simplicity of technology, and answer as many practical questions about biblical minimalism as we can. But in this first episode, rather than talk about uh, the practical details of minimizing room by room, uh, I want to start by talking about the big picture. Uh, Why is it that we're minimizing? And specifically, I want to talk about uh, practicing the presence of God as a habit or lifestyle that we can adopt. Uh, We simplify for a reason, for a purpose. Uh, Minimalism is a growing trend on the secular side, and I think as a response to the insane sort of materialism and consumerism of our day, But one of the big differences between biblical minimalism and secular minimalism is that we're doing this in the context of discipleship uh, for a reason, for a purpose, uh, for a person. We're pursuing simplicity because of Jesus and because of our love of Jesus, Uh, because he lived that way and he invites us to, and, and because we want lives that are centered around him instead of the empty patterns of consumerism. Uh, around us. Uh, but notice that it's possible to uh, minimize and simplify your life and actually receive many of the benefits of that. You may feel less stressed, uh, less addicted to consumerism, more content, less rushed, more sane, more centered. Uh, you might find yourself with the ability to pursue more of your own dreams. You can experience all of that through sort of a a secular uh, pursuit of minimalism. Uh, You can practice simplicity and find yourself with more time and more energy, but end up applying it to the wrong things. And uh, a few days ago, uh, during my morning devotional time, I read Jesus' uh, parable, I I guess. I think it's a parable uh, of a man who sort of cleans out uh, his house, kicks a demon out of his house and cleans the house out. Uh, But the demon wanders around and comes back with seven friends who are worse than he was. And it says when they return, uh, they find the house swept and in order uh, with tons of space to occupy. And uh, I couldn't help but seeing the connection between that parable and minimalism. Uh, The house in Jesus parable is representative, not just of our physical home, but of our lives in the holistic sense. And Jesus makes a great point. Uh, It's possible to clean out our closets, uh, our homes, our garages, even our hearts, our minds, our souls, and still miss the point of simplicity, uh, which is simplicity of heart, a a single-minded focus on God, a fresh intimacy with Him. Uh, We clean clutter and junk and distraction out of our lives, but then we fill that empty space in our lives with the fullness of Jesus, Uh, not just more Netflix or uh, another frantic vacation or uh, more of our own self-focus or anxious thoughts or whatever it is. We We aren't leaving the space void and empty. We aren't just filling it with more of the same uh, or with a, a different form of narcissism. 
We fill it with Jesus. Uh, and one of the primary ways that we can do that is by practicing the presence of God, uh, which is something that has uh, captured my heart, my imagination to varying degrees uh, over the last couple of years. But it's also something that's not easy to define or understand. Uh, so I'm here with Evan Parton, and we've had conversations about practicing the presence of God in the past. Uh, not that we've mastered this by any stretch of the imagination. I feel uh, very much like a novice, but we've uh, stumbled after it before and had conversations around it. So maybe we'll start uh, by trying to define it. Uh, and Evan, maybe I'll turn it over to you and just in your own words, uh, what does it mean to practice the presence of God? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think my answer is still a bit in process, and I think it should be. Any anytime we're talking about relationship, um, I think uh, I think it involves uh, getting to know someone uh, more and more at a deeper level, and the natural part of that is. Uh, conversation, communication. And so I think if we're talking about the, the person of Jesus, uh, practicing his presence is, um, just growing deeper and deeper in intimacy and conversational intimacy with him. Um, I think it's this idea of, um, growing from communication to communion to union with him. Um, and, um, I think for me in my journey, it's just been understanding that our God is one who talks. He's one who speaks. Um, he not only speaks with authority, but he speaks to be, to be heard. Um, he, he welcomes us and he calls us into, um, this life, this reality. If we look from new, te uh, old Testament to, to new, what do we see this God of the Bible saying? He's saying, um, he is wishing for his people to know him, mm -hmm. uh, to experientially know him. Uh, one, I think in my journey of really understanding what practicing his presence is, or just, um, having my, as, as David says, David says, having the Lord always before me, right? Mm -hmm. It's this living this life with the Lord just always, uh, before us. And I was just, uh, thinking it's, there have been several people I think who have been very, um, I feel like through their writings have discipled me in this. Uh, and I think we'll talk about some of these, but brother Lawrence would be one. Frank right. Laubach would be another mm -hmm. and, uh, Dallas Willard would be another and something that Dallas Willard says. And, uh, this is a, a paraphrase, but it's essentially, um, God, um, speaks to us or wishes to speak to us in a way that justifies us being his children. Mm -hmm. And so you look throughout scripture and Jesus calls us his friends mm -hmm. uh, and God, he, uh, you see the writers all throughout the new Testament, Paul just saying like, we are the children of God. And so just this idea, just from a logical intelligent standpoint, like he is going to speak to us in a way that does justice to him mm -hmm. calling us his children or his friends. And so um, you talked about with the, um, what was that book you, uh, referenced a few weeks back? The, um, gospel, uh, gospel fluency, gospel fluency, yeah. right. Coming down to this belief, right. Mm. Um, or unbelief, I suppose with a lot of these things. And it's just practicing his presence is believing him on, like, do mm. we believe this stuff? Do we right. trust him when he says like, if he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'll right. always be with you. You say like, well, do I, do I believe that? Absolutely. And so I think that's been for me, especially most recently in this journey of practicing his presence is like, gosh, 
Lord, do I believe you when you say fill mm. in the blank? Do I believe you when you say, wow. um, I am, I am, I'm with you and I am a God who speaks to you, who wants to know you. Mm. Um, then it's, it's trusting him on that. And as obviously what we'll talk about, there's a discipline to it. There's a mm. practice of it, but right. it's, there's this practice to holding the Lord always before us. Mm. And so, um, those are my initial thoughts on your question. Yeah, right. that's great. I love what you said about the old Testament because, um, I was thinking about, there's this refrain that kind of echoes throughout scripture, um, that like when this happens, you know, God will be with his people and they will be with him and he will be their God, something like that. And it like shows up, like, that's what you see in Genesis in the beginning, and then after that's fractured, it's sort of this like longing of God's heart uh, through the Old Testament. That refrain keeps coming back again and again. And then you read it in the new, the glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. In the very end of the Bible, in Revelation, you see the the, the end goal, the climax of, of this age headed into the next age. Like what what is God after? That's it. It's that I, I'll be with he'll be with his people and they'll be with him and he'll, and he'll be their God. It's just sort of this image of like in the presence of the Lord. Um, and if that's the end goal, then we like, we're, we're following Jesus. Now we can actually experience that now and get started in that. Now it's just this like being, I think of our, our kids now are, um, five, four, and two. And my wife and I, like, we love to, we've always wanted them to like cuddle. We've never like gotten a true cuddler out of the, the three kids that we've had. Like they are always just like, ah, by the time they realize, you know, by the time they're like eight months old, they're like, ah, get off of me. You know, like, let me do my own thing. And we're like, please, please just like cuddle with me. Uh, and so we'll always try and like pull them close and just like what I want more than anything at, you know, at the end of the day, I want them to just sit in my lap and just like lean against me and just be there. Like, I don't care if we're reading a book or not. I don't care if we're talking. Like, I just want them to be there and just be with me. Uh, and sometimes when we realize that we, they won't, won't do that when they're scrambling to get away, my wife and I'll say, Oh, just like, and it, be my baby, just be my baby. Like just, we like wrestle with them and just like pull them in close and like, just be with me. Um, and you see some of that in the heart of God, you know, it's just like, so often I can think of, oh, I'm going to pray at set times during the day, or, you know, maybe just once at the end of the day or before a meal. And that's me talking at God who might be close or might be very far away, but I'm just kind of talking at him. Then there's this kind of sort of next level of prayer that I think is listening almost in the way we would listen for the prophetic, which is now like God speak to me for myself or for this other person. And then I think there's almost this like next level in my mind is like, just be with me. Like we, I, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to say anything. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to say anything to you. I just want you to be with me. Uh, and so it's realizing like, whoa, that, that, that's, that's this thing. So it is like carrying on this constant conversation with God, but also to me, like it comes down to the word awareness. Like where, what am I aware of in this moment? These things are true. I'm a new creation. I have the Holy Spirit in me. God is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's literally here in sort of this like mystical, profound, you know, metaphysical sense. Like he, he's here. He's with me. But am I aware of it? And there's a way to go through life unaware of, you know, Jesus presence with me, unaware of, of what he's doing in and through me, unaware of the fact that he's made me a new creation. But when I draw my awareness to those things, it becomes an experience of God. 
uh, that really is like once we get into that and begin experiencing it, it's worth more than anything else. Uh, it's sort of this beating heart of, of discipleship. And uh, some of these people you mentioned, Brother Lawrence and Frank Lau, Laubach, I never know how to say his last name, uh, came into these remarkable ongoing experiences of practicing the presence of God as, as a discipline. And so it's regularly turning your attention or your awareness toward God uh, throughout the day, carrying on a constant uh, conversation with him, being aware of him in all circumstances, uh, and, and allowing our attention of his presence to then grow our awareness and experience of his presence. Uh, we'll talk in a few weeks about the teachings of Jesus on wealth and possessions where he then says, you know, if your eye is, is full of light, your whole body will be full of light. Uh, but if your eyes filled with darkness, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And it's sort of this image of what is, what is your mind's eye focused on? Um, uh, because that's going to flood your entire, it's going to come to define your life and, and flood your entire experience. Uh, and so that's really what we're, what we're after, uh, is this life of God awareness uh, kind of moment by moment throughout the day. So uh, how do we do that? Like, even if we say, whoa, there's this whole life available to us that most of us skim right past uh, in, in our pursuit of other things. If we say, I do want this, I want to kind of uh, to build this habit of, of a God consciousness, God awareness as I go through my day, uh, how do we get after that? Or how would uh, a brother Lawrence or uh, a Frank Laubach or somebody else um, you know, advise us to begin that practice. Oh, you're, you're posing that question to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, uh, I think you use the word awareness. I think the, the word that I've kind of always brought to the forefront of my mind when I think about this is attention. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think you mentioned that a little bit as well, but like I'm giving, I think of kind of my attention as a currency. Like I'm, mm. I'm giving my attention to something, right. I'm giving my attention to something all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And so, um, <clears throat> I think there is the discipline and the practice of, uh, attuning our, our hearts and minds mm-hmm. to Jesus. Um, and, I think the more we practice that, the more we're disciplined in that, the more we carry that throughout our day. We go, we trust him and we believe him when he says that I am the good and the abundant life, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We could pick each of those apart, but I am the, I am the abundant life. And so when I trust him in that and I come to him that, then I say, well, you're not void of anything in in my life and throughout my day. And so if I trust you in this, then gosh, what Jesus, what do you, what do you have to say about this? Right? Like he, uh, it's turning my mind towards him and asking him a question, you know, all through, all throughout my day. It's Mm. Jesus. What, what do you have to say about this? Or, Mm. okay, here's what I'm thinking. Um, what do you, you know, it's as simple as if, if I'm sitting here with you and you and I are co-laboring, you know, we are Mm. co-working, we are, um, uh, we are journeying through on on something uh, with a 
kind of that idea we're communing, we're, we're working towards the same objective, the same aim, you know, you and I are going to, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Oh, what do you think about this? Like, right. what do you have to say? Uh, you know, and it's, it's just doing that with Jesus all throughout the day. Right. Just like this. What do you have to say about this? For me, it's at work. Like I, I can't figure out this problem. Jesus, what, what, what am I missing? What, what do you have to say? Just looking at him, holding him before our minds, as mm. David says, and just ask, asking him a question right. or, uh, you know, so I think that just from a from a simplicity standpoint, right? It's just mm-hmm. my attention throughout the day, just recognizing that He is always with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not leaving me. He is. Uh, I, I even think about how it's not. A lot of the time, I feel like it's not that He's quiet. It's mm-hmm. just that we can't hear Him because right. of attention. And if we're talking about attention being turned from um, something to another thing, we'd call that distraction, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that that's those are external variables. I would say within the discipline or the practicing His presence is where's our attention? And I think in our day and age, it's like, man. How do we, how do we practice this? How do I practice this? Like, mm-hmm. what am I giving my attention to throughout the day? Right, right, right. So, and then yeah. it's like, if my attention is always chasing after these other things, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the computer in my pocket, right? right. Then, um, then I'm less apt to have my attention turned towards, mm-hmm. towards him. So, uh, I, I think about it a lot in the concept of attention and, um, or, you know, people talk about the attention economy, right? Mm-hmm. How there are right. all these other things vying for our attention. And so I think not only, I think part of practicing his presence, not only as a discipline from a, um, if you want to think about it as offensive and defense, you know, the offensive might be like really making an aim or a disciplined, effort mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, as, as, as Dallas Willard says, you know, our, our salvation, our relationship with Jesus is, is void of earning, not effort. Like mm. there's still effort right, we put right, into right. it. Right. Yeah. And so our effort, you know, from the offensive might be always calling him to mind, always mm. coming before him and just talking with him about practical. Um, he is the God of the day to day and the mundane, right? right, right. Um, that's his stuff. Jesus was, um, God with us, right? He's, right. he was, um, among with the, us among the pots and pans. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's that offensive, but I think, and this is, again, this might not be the most helpful frame or this might not be the most, uh, kosher way of piecing this out, but it's hel- It's a helpful framework for me. Mm-hmm. The defensive then is me saying like, okay, what are the things I need to say no to? And I think right. what we'll get into with this series is like, Hey, a lot of, and like you mentioned with sweeping the house clean and not filling it with the spirit. Mm-hmm. So thus it's, you know, filled again by the things that it was swept clean of. Right. Right. But it's this idea of being defensive of like, gosh, I'm giving my attention to all these things. Like I need to say no so that I can say yes, you know, in these ways to Jesus. So what Jesus talks about, like guarding your heart, you know, guard your heart because everything else flows from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not just what you fall in love with or what you lust after. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with our, with our attention. Um, uh, and cause a lot flows out of that. So, yeah, some helpful things that I've found from uh, Brother Lawrence and some of the other greats who have practiced the presence of God is uh, coming up with little tricks like, hey, I'm just going to try, uh, you know, once an hour, like once an hour, I'm just going to bring my mind back to Jesus and just think about him and just bring my awareness to his presence. Oh, God, you're with me. Whoa, you love me. You're here. You're you're guiding me. And you I mean, that what does that take? Five seconds, 10 seconds. But like. 
is saying, hey, once an hour, uh, I'm going to do that. Uh, or maybe if you're a teacher, it's, you know, in between every class, I'm going to take, I'm going to start by taking 15 seconds and just taking a deep breath and drawing my attention back to that. Or you're in physical therapy between each client, you know, uh, I'm going to take 15 seconds. I'm going to draw my attention to that. Then I'm going to, you know, walk into my next appointment or whatever it is. Um, and a lot of uh, uh, the the people who have practiced that throughout history said, yeah, they you know they started with that, start once an hour, uh, but then that becomes a habit eventually. And you say it's really not that hard. Maybe it was hard to start, but now that I'm a few weeks in or a month in, like I can do that once an hour. And then they said, well, what if I did that every half hour? And then they start down that road, and they said, what if I did that every 15 minutes? And then they you know over time not without effort, but over time, then they, that becomes a habit too. And then, you know, the, the peak kind of thing is like, well, what if I just did that once a minute? You know, what if just like, I'm just constantly doing that. Uh, and there's this quote, Oh, go ahead. You have something to say. Oh, I, all I was going to say is and Jesus is our model, right? Like oh, we right. still, I think it's easy for us to, um, we go, all right, we talk to God mm-hmm. in our confined time of prayer right. and scripture reading, right? right. Then, you know, he gets like, here, here's this time where I'm just like, this is the time I'm going away. And, um, sure. We see Jesus going, Hey, silence and solitude is a good thing. I'm going to go be right. away with the father. He had set times. He yeah. had set times. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that also comes down to, you know, like just, uh, we talk about attention a little bit, mm-hmm. but also Jesus says like, look, I don't do anything. I don't see the father doing right. It's this idea. He's like, he's going throughout his day and right. he's always in knowing he's all, he was the, you know, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? right. He's, he's like always in the presence of the father. And I, I don't do anything. I don't see the father doing like mm-hmm. in that constant union. He was in, you know, that perfect union, right. communication to communion to union. He was in that perfect union. Totally. And, but we still see those other times And brother Lawrence. It's funny to read some of his, he's like, you know, the monastic call to prayer, like all this kind of stuff. He's like, that's great. But I kind of do that all throughout the day. Right. You know, right. so it's like my set times of prayer are no different than when I'm washing dishes. Right. Like exactly. I'm, I'm communing with God the whole time. Exactly. So, yeah. And I think that's just, um, uh, again, comes back to that profound awareness mm. and just like trust that, Oh, like you, you are always with me, Lord. Right. You are, you are, you know, so go ahead with your quote. That's oh, yeah. all I was going to say. Well, I, I mean that you're hitting, that's what discipleship is. We be, we're, we're to be with Jesus. That's practicing his presence. We're to become like Jesus, the one who was the ultimate practicer of the presence of God. I mean, that's pretty bold to say, I don't do anything that I don't see the, you know, sense the father doing. I don't say anything unless the father tells me to say it. That's the ultimate moment by moment in touch totally soaked in the consciousness of God. Uh, and he had a difficult life, but he was full of joy. And I think it's because he was rooted in the presence of God. Um, so I think that's a very powerful concept to bring it back. No, no, no. We're doing this because of Jesus, because we want to be like Jesus, become like him over time. Um, but this is uh, a question from Frank Laubach, whose name I'm probably still not pronouncing right. Uh, but he says, one question to be put to the test is this. Can we have that contact with God all the time? All the time awake, fall asleep in his arms, awaken in his presence. Can we attain that? Can we do his will all the time? Can we think his thoughts all the time? Or are there periods when business and pleasures and crowding companions must necessarily push God out of our thoughts? We cannot keep two things in mind at once. Indeed, we cannot even keep one thing in mind for more than half a second. Our mind is a flowing something. It oscillates. 
Concentration is merely the continuous return to the same problem from a million angles. We do not, we do not think of one thing. We always think of the relationship of at least two things, and more often of three or more things simultaneously. So my problem is this. Can I bring the Lord back to my mind flow every few seconds so that God shall always be in my mind? I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering this question. And I love that last line. I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering this question. And he lived an absolutely incredible, remarkable uh, life, which you can read about if you want to. Uh, but for me, that's like, that's practicing the presence of God and, and kind of how, how you get, get after it. You know, if it just, to me, I think it starts with a very modest, achievable, like I can think about Jesus and his presence with me once an hour. Like I, I can do that. So let's just start there and just see what happens uh, and then begin to to build from there. So uh, final question for this episode, um, what does all of this have to do with minimalism? And you hit on it, uh, you know, kind of inadvertently already. But w- what's the connection between if I if I see this in the life of Jesus, if I say, you know, this this is this is something I want to get after. What does that have to do with simplicity? What does that have to do with minimalism? Yeah, I would say from a, just a purely practical standpoint, um, if, if we kind of go back to, uh, I I think of it twofold, one would be, one would be trust. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that, uh, the world is screaming at us. This is the abundant life, right? Mm -hmm. This is the good life. This is the abundant life. Um, it's screaming at us, whether it's through prestige, whether it's through accomplishment, whether it's through your bank account, whether it's through your possessions, right? And if we're talking about simplicity or, uh, how, uh, how wanted you are, how packed your schedule is, right. Um, Sort of this, like get more, be more accomplish more, like do more. Absolutely. Just more of absolutely. And, uh, and Jesus conversely says, Oh, I am, I am the good life Mm. or the writers of scripture say, Oh, once you taste and you see the Lord is good, mm-hmm. right? It's uh, Jesus talking to, uh, I think it was Jesus talking to the woman at the well, like, oh, like you take a drink of me and you, mm-hmm. you will be satisfied, right? right? It's, so it's this, uh, it's essentially these things, um, I suppose, pitted against each other. We got the world mm-hmm. screaming in one ear and then we have Jesus's um, gentle uh, invitation to like come taste and see. Right. And it's, um, it's so as the follower of Jesus, it's saying, yes, like I trust you, let me walk with you. And I think like you said, like, or like, um, Frank says, you know, here, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to trust him on this and I'm going to commit my life to this. And I think when we, when when has he not, when has he never come through? Right. (laughs) Like when has he, um, Oh, well, he didn't really, he, he didn't really come through on right. that like promise. He said that's who he would be, but right. he did, kind like, of flopped. Yeah. yeah scripture's just littered through <laughs> this God who is just faithful and faithful and right. faithful. Comes Even through, in our comes, unfaithfulness. Exactly. Always faithful. And yeah. so it's like this, all right, let me, all right, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And Hey, I'm okay. Every hour I'm going to call you to mind. And I think what happens, um, in his mercy is it's, Oh, we taste. Oh, that's good. Right. Yeah, and wow. he draws us deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and deeper to the point of, you know, like, um, 
Frank and Brother Lawrence and these people, David, I mean, you just see all throughout the Psalms, just David, mm-hmm. just, um, you know, there was someone who it's like, you're right. We were just talking about Psalm 27. He's mm-hmm. like, this is the only thing I seek that I would be in your presence, right. that I would look on your beauty. Like, this is what I seek. There's nothing better. Yeah, exactly. And I think going back to your original question about like, what does this have to do with simplicity? It, was that the yeah, last question yeah. you, you posed mm-hmm. is, um, I think it's, uh, us trusting him in that. And then it's us saying like, Hey, like I am bringing to my awareness that like these things in life aren't just things like, you know, my schedule, um, what I, what I have, what I possess, like mm-hmm. these, these things, um, they call a certain level of, a uh, attention to them. Right, right. And, um, I am choosing to say no to those things and instead to fill the house that is now swept clean. Mm-hmm. And there is a part of that where it's like, we got to maybe do some, you some, know, some that house cleaning, that, some house cleaning, <laughs> um, maybe, uh, yeah. not, not we'll get so to that next week. Yeah. And, not and so and metaphorically next, next midweek episode, yeah. literally. Um, and then filling it with, um, filling it with Jesus. Who's the only one that satisfies. So, yeah. Oh, I think they, I mean, like anything in life, it always comes back to Jesus. And so, right. but I think they, they, uh, blend beautifully, but what would yeah. you say to that? Yeah. I mean, I see it cutting both directions. I think, um, like you can just read like this, what studies will show when you walk into a, a cluttered, overcrowded room, what happens in your mind, what happens in your heart Well, your mind is actually actually has to react to every single object in the room. And then often there's stress in your heart and whatever else your attention is pulled. You go back to this idea of attention and awareness. So if I say my goal is to have my attention and my awareness rooted in God, like that's just the goal of my life. Well, minimalism says you, you, it's the promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything else that distracts us from them. And if we're honest, all of the things we own, every single item that we own, it, it calls to us. It requires some sort, even just walking into a room that's full of stuff, your, your heart, your mind react to everything in the room. And so I think you can do it. You can do it both ways. Like both this sense of like, I'm going to remove clutter. I'm going to remove distraction. Uh, I'm going to remove all of this stuff. Well, that's going to start freeing up more and more. That's the house swept clean that now can be filled with Jesus. You know, I'm, it's going to free up more and more of my mental, emotional sort of soul level capacity to commune with him. Um, but I, I think, it, yeah, just like what threatens that? If you just start with that as ground zero, like this is what I want to do. What threatens to steal my time, my attention, my energy away from a, a life that's rooted in God? Well, uh, some of that's going to be physical clutter in our homes. Some of that's going to be consumerism and what we believe about where the, where the good life is found and all the time and money and energy we spend uh, researching things and shopping for things and buying things and cleaning things and maintaining things that Jesus would say, you don't even need that stuff to begin with. Uh, but like, if you just think of it this way, if I just say, hey, what's keeping, you know, just grab someone, you know, I guess not on the street, someone who's following Jesus and say, Hey, what's keeping you from abiding in Jesus? Like what's keeping you from practicing the presence of God? What's keeping you from practicing, uh, any of the spiritual disciplines as a means of, of communing with Jesus and growing in him? What are they going to point to? Well, you know, jobs, consumerism, stress, mortgage, like all of this stuff. Okay. Well, if all of that stuff's keeping you from Jesus, then start getting rid of that stuff. Like you need Jesus more than you need that stuff. And so I think, um, 
if we, as we begin to identify those things that distract us, that pull our attention, our time, our energy, and in, in many cases, our worship, uh, then we remove physical clutter. Uh, we start to, uh, I think it helps to start with removing physical clutter, but eventually we do the same thing to our schedules. And then we do the same thing to our iPhones and the way we relate to technology. And then we do the same things to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls. We declutter on every level in every sense. Uh, and it, and it makes room for this. Uh, it, it, it's the removing everything else that, uh, sort of distracts us, uh, from that. You can't, you can't put your kids in a boarding school, you know, but, uh, the, the things that are in life, like you're, you're called to parent your children, you're called to, you know, your marriage, if you're married, whatever it is. Uh, but there's so many other things in life that, uh, we just make it really, really complicated. And so I think it's just a reminder at the outset of this journey of simplicity and minimalism that we're clearing the ground for something. Uh, we're not just ripping plants out of our, you know, out of the garden of our lives just for the sake of it. It's actually to clear the ground to plant something new, uh, to reorient our lives around a richer and richer experience uh, of God. We can clean the house uh, literally and metaphysically, uh, but we do it for the purpose of filling it with Jesus and his specific purposes for, for our lives. What is God calling you to do? Who is he calling you to be? Okay, well, our tens of thousands of physical possessions and an addiction to shopping, helping you accomplish those things and commune with Jesus and accomplish the unique purpose he has for your life. Or they completely, uh, I think it was, was it Dallas Willard's line or somebody, uh, talked about how in our modern age, we're distracting ourselves into oblivion. And I, I think that was, it's from the ruthless elimination of hurry. I can't remember who says it, but just that line has always stuck out with me that we're distracting ourselves into oblivion. Uh, and practicing the presence of God is about bringing our attention, uh, and awareness. Uh, I think it was a Catholic guy, uh, Richard was it something with an R. I can't remember. Uh, no. anyhow, yeah, I'm uh, but it's, it's about the, the two go hand in hand in my mind. If you're, if you're getting after minimalism, it's going to free you up to practice more of the presence of God. If you, you need, the reverse is also true. If you just say, I'm starting ground zero with a desire to practice the presence of God, it's going to lead you towards simplicity and minimalism because you'll begin to identify all these things in life, uh, that in some sense are wasting our lives and pulling our time, attention, energy, and other places that we don't actually need. Uh, and, and I think that's important. I've heard of minimalists who, uh, sort of reject, you know, fast fashion and consumerism, but then they spend hours of time trying to pick the perfect organic fair trade wooden carved toy for their kids, or they spend just as many hours looking for the perfect t-shirt, or uh, they spend just as much time shopping and thinking about themselves. It's just centered around less items. So you can become a minimalist who gets rid of 90% of their possessions, but still obsesses over the remaining 10, uh, or who opens up hours of time every week in their schedule only to blow it on uh, YouTube and Netflix. And so, and there's a sense in which, okay, we've just traded one distraction for another. Uh, you're not practicing the presence of God, but I really see the two of those things as, as, uh, as intertwined. I is inseparable in some sense, practicing the presence of God and simplicity. They, they have to go hand in hand. Otherwise minimalism and simplicity can lose its meaning and become sort of a, a secular discipline, or I just want a trendy apartment or more money in the budget or, you know, more vacation time or whatever it is. Um, uh, 
And the reverse is also true. The practice of the presence of God sort of requires a, a, a pursuit of minimalism and simplicity along the way. So any, any closing thoughts? Uh, Ronald Rollheiser. Ronald Roll. I knew it was an R, a double R. There it is. <laughs> that's that's the, my only uh, closing thought. Oh, okay. Ronald Rollheiser. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Um, well, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, tie off this episode. Uh, I'm hoping that this has been uh, helpful for for you and that you're encouraged to maybe just start with once an hour um, practicing the presence of God and really uh, allow this to feed into and feed off of the pursuit of minimalism and simplicity that we'll be after in the coming weeks and in the months ahead. Uh, So with that, uh, be blessed in your minimalism journey. I pray that you have a rich experience and growing experience of the presence of God uh, today and in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, And we will see you on Sunday. 